Happy Sabbath, everyone. And Merry Almost Christmas. All right. Do you guys believe in Christmas miracle? I do. Um, I actually waited for three weeks to tell this story. It is a true story. Uh, it's about these two 12-feet Christmas trees that you see right here. Um, you know them, Costco. Uh, many people helped and came to make this possible, and I was just one of them. And that day, I was actually attending a funeral service to translate for Pastor O in the, in the morning. And there, I met k i a n k i a n actually came to the funeral too. So we um, went to the funeral together, and we ate, and k i a n told me, hmm, you know, like it's kind of, an, kind of an awkward time to go back to work. Do you need any help today? So I was like, yes, we need help. We need your van, and we need you. So we went to Costco together to get the last two 12-feet Christmas trees that were left. The problem was, they were too big. We could only fit one. And so, uh, we decided to put one tree in his car, and we sent his car to church. And I would call other people to try and see if people can come and help us, right? And so k i a n had left, and I'm here at Costco by myself with this, these three, four sections of trees. And I called Richard Cho. Sorry, I can't come. I finished work by 4 p.m. I called Jimmy. Straight to voicemail. <laughs> I messaged Doug Cha. Try to think of everyone that has a van or a truck, right? And then I prayed. And I'm waiting there. 30 seconds later, guess who I see walking from Costco parking lot? I see Doug. just walking towards me. And I'm so happy, and I tell him, Doug, did you get my message? And he was like, no, I'm here to pick up milk. (laughs) Did you drive your truck by chance? Yes, I did. Can you help me carry the Christmas tree? Yes, I can. And so, God helped me to bring the Christmas tree here by sending Doug to pick up his milk. And that's how the Christmas trees got here. Um, Do you believe in miracles? I do. Miracles definitely do exist. Even more importantly, God uses us as his miracle agents. We are part of that Lego block to complete the miracle. God uses his people to do miracle as we do his work. And I think that's what happened to these four men and their friend who was paralyzed. Let us turn turn to the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 3, 4, and 5. It's also a miracle that my voice came back. Um, I lost it for a whole week, and I was praying to God that he would bring it back, and he has. Um, This is what it reads. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. 
When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. I pray that on this Christmas, you are like these four friends who are persistent in reaching out to Jesus. On this Christmas week that is coming up, what is stopping you from seeing Jesus? How hard will you try to meet Jesus in your life? You know, when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, what did they do? What will you do when you're stumbled upon obstacle in seeing Jesus? They persisted and they were not giving up. They sought for a way. You know, sometimes it takes effort to get a person to see Jesus. Sometimes that person is you and that person is me. Oftentimes, it is so difficult for us to get to Jesus Christ. And God calls us to have determination to experience a miracle. Are you living your life expecting a miracle? Do you live your life expecting to see a miracle happening through you? Persistence of the paralytic's friends demonstrated the reality of their friend, and it actually changed that reality. Biblical faith is more than just wishful thinking. God calls us, do something. If you have faith, do something. Faith allows for work to be done. But it is not our works that is done. When we have faith, we allow God to work and do his work through us in our lives. Um, I have a crazy story to tell, which may not be true. It's the most far-fetched story that I've heard in my life. Um, Do you guys know the Nike sign? Right? It looks like this. And the logo is? Just do it. Right? I'm going to tell you how they came to have that slogan, the phrase. Apparently, there's a guy named Dr. Yu. He's a ninth-degree black belt in Taekwondo. Okay? Uh, supposedly, he also won the Man of the Century. And when he first came to America, he worked at UCLA. And because he was so bad at English, whenever he gets frustrated, he would just tell people and yell at them, just do it. And you see, I, I don't believe it, but he said just do it so many times that people in the, on the campus... It became famous. It became popular. And one day, a Jewish guy came and talked to him about buying that slogan. And supposedly, he sold it to the Jewish person for $500. And that is how we had the slogan, just do it. A Korean guy. (laughs) Right? I don't know. Believe or not. I, I actually don't believe it. But God says... Just do it. Have faith. Allow God to do his work through you. Sin was responsible for this man's paralyzed condition. And that is what sin does. It paralyzes us. 
It traps us. It prevents us from moving towards God. You know, in Genesis, after Adam and Eve had sinned, God actually says, where are you? But do you actually think God doesn't know? God didn't know where Adam and Eve were. No, he knew. So what was he saying when he said, where are you? He was asking them, where are you? Not in terms of location, but in terms of your relationship with me. Where are you? How is your relationship with God? God gives us a chance to say, this is where I'm at. I am stuck in my bed, paralyzed, unable to move. Help me. Are you sick? Unable to move. My suggestion is, get help. Have someone that can help you. I was sick uh, three weeks ago, and I could not move. I was just in my bed for three days straight. Slept, ate medicine, drank lots of water, and I finally had the strength to move. I think sometimes... God calls us to go up, go down, go sideways in our efforts to see Jesus. Sometimes just going straight forward to him is not enough. There is no way. And God calls us to go up and come back down. You know, miracles happen when we love our neighbors, our friends. Can you imagine having those four friends who loved this person enough to bring him, carry him on his bed to Christ? What would require for you to bring your friend to Jesus? What would require for you to bring someone to Christ? I think it would require for you to love that person as much as yourself. Um, Jesus tells us the two greatest commandments. And the second one is what? To love your neighbor as yourself. But that is such a difficult thing to do. Almost impossible. How can I love neighbor as myself? You know, it's really, really interesting because when you read that phrase and when you think about it, What Jesus is saying is, you can actually love yourself. It is okay to love yourself. But that sounds so selfish. I'm supposed to love others, right? Serve others. But am I allowed to love myself? And God says, yes. Christ died for us. Christ sacrificed himself on the cross for you and me. So when Jesus died for you, what does does it mean? It means that your life is worth his life to give. It means that our lives were worth Christ's life. So our ability, our permission to love ourselves as Christians, comes from how Christ sees our worth. 
It's not that we are good. It's not that we are great, that we can love, but it's because Christ has valued our life equal to his. And so when we love ourselves, it doesn't come from our self-love. It comes from Christ's love. And with that mindset, we can love our neighbors. Because that means the person next to you is worth equally as much as yourself. And so our ability to, for us to be able to love our neighbor means for us to accept Christ's love and to acknowledge that that person is loved by God as much as I am loved by God. So what does it mean when we don't love our neighbors? It means that we're rejecting Christ's love for us. It means that we're rejecting what God has offered for you and me. So, who is your neighbor? Who isn't your neighbor? The Jewish leaders believed that man could not be healed until he was forgiven. And Jesus heals through forgiveness. The sign of this man's sin now became the sign of his cure. Can you imagine how embarrassing it is to be brought down from the rooftop on your sickbed? It is not a pretty sight. He probably smells. He probably didn't take shower for days. He's paralyzed. Sin is an ugly thing. And to be able to make yourself vulnerable in front of Christ, would you be willing to let yourself come down to where Christ is? It's really interesting because Christ, oftentimes we think, is the high almighty up there. But many times when we truly find Christ in our lives, he is lower than where we are. It requires for us to come down to where he is. Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up and walk? Neither is easy. Which is easier, to say or do? It's more difficult to even do what you say. And Christ says, and it is done. What is Christ doing in your life? What is Christ saying in your life? Forgiveness is extremely difficult for some. Christ says, he doesn't say you're healed. He says, your sins are forgiven. Can we forgive? Out of Christmas spirit, perhaps. It was the very power and presence of Jesus Christ himself who forgave and who healed. Um, Today we're talking about miracles. 
And I want to let you know, the greatest miracle, Bruno actually spoiled it, the greatest miracle should not be a thing. It should not be um, a when or how. It should be a person. The greatest miracle of your life and my life needs to be Jesus Christ. So in your life, when we ask for miracles, you need to be asking for a person. So I'm praying, dear God, this Christmas, you know, a person. (laughs) Um, Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, I I forgot my train of thought. (laughs) Meeting with Jesus requires for us to uh, be with them from both top to bottom. And perhaps he's waiting for you at the lowest point in your life. You know, what did the paralytic do to be healed and forgiven? Nothing. He just had to be there and he received healing and forgiveness. Um, I'd like to end today's message with a riddle that I've told you guys about three years ago. Do you guys remember the chimney riddle? No? Okay, good. (laughs) All right, so here's the story. A young man knocks on the door of a renowned scholar, a rabbi. He says, Rabbi Schwartz, I wish to study the Talmud. The rabbi goes, do you know Aramaic? Nope. Do you know Hebrew? Nope. Have you read the Talmud? No, but don't worry. I graduated from Harvard and I'm really smart. Okay, I seriously seriously doubt, replies the rabbi, that you're ready to study the Talmud, but if you wish, I will test your logic. And if you pass, I will teach you the Talmud. And the young man agrees. Rabbi Schwartz holds up two fingers. Two men come down a chimney, one with a dirty face and the other with a clean face. Which one washes his face? The one with the dirty face, he answers. Wrong. The one with the clean face washes his face. Simple logic. The one with the dirty face looks at the one with the clean face and thinks his face is clean. The one with the clean face looks at the one with the clean face. uh, The one with the clean face looks at the one with dirty face and sees that his face, friend's face is dirty. So he presumes that he's must be 32. So he washes his face. Okay? Very clever. Okay, give me another test. The rabbi holds up two fingers. Two men come down the chimney, one with a clean face and one with a dirty face. Which one washes his face? We've already established this. It's the one with the clean face. Wrong. Each one washes his face. Examine the logic. The one with the clean face washes his face because he sees his friend's face is dirty. Then the one with the dirty face also washes his face because he sees that even the clean face man needs to wash his face. Oh, I never thought of that. One more chance, okay? So the rabbi once more holds up two fingers. Two men come down a chimney, 
One with a clean face and one with a dirty face. Which one washes his face? Both. Wrong. The man with the dirty face looks at the man with the clean face and thinks his face is clean, so he doesn't wash. When the man with the clean face sees that the man with the dirty face doesn't wash, he doesn't wash either. The young man is now very desperate and confused. Give me just one more try, he pleads. No, not yet, said the rabbi. Perhaps you now see why logic and philosophy are an insufficient basis for studying the Talmud. Tell me, how can two men come down the same chimney and one have a dirty face and one have a clean face? The whole question itself is foolish. If you spend your life trying to answer foolish questions, all your answers will be foolish too. You know, I think the truth is, perhaps the two that came down the chimney are the same. They are one. They both need healing, and they both need forgiving. The truth is, we all came down from that chimney. We are all dirty. We're all sinful. We need both healing and forgiving. I think that's what the message Jesus was trying to tell the Pharisees and scribes. I'm here to give you both. As your Savior, you are sinful. You are a sinner. You need my healing and you need to be forgiven. Do you need healing? Do you need forgiving? I pray that Christ provides you with both. He's the only one that's able to do it. He is the greatest miracle of Christmas because he came down. God from heaven came down to this earth for you and me to give you your healing to give you your forgiveness, and only he is able to do that. We are at Loma Linda. We believe in the ministry of healing. I pray that when you provide your healing to others, that you can also give spiritual healings too. And that should be Christmas. I pray that we're able to spend a Christmas where Christ is able to heal. May he heal you and myself first. We're also able to heal and forgive one another. The greatest miracle of Christmas must be a person. It must be Jesus. I pray that you experience the miracle in your life. Let's pray. Father God, we are sick in our own beds. We're dirty. We we can't help ourselves. We are all victims of sin. But the good news, the greatest news is that you, the Son of God, came down for me and for my neighbors, my friends. Thank you so much. We pray that you heal us, that you forgive us, 
that this Christmas can be all about you, that it can be only about you. May we we not look for what or when or how or why in our miracles, but may we look for the person. May we look for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.